You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at Alumni Hall. Make sure to check them out for all your Georgia gear and accessory needs. As all of you loyal listeners know, I'm your host, Tyler, and making a special appearance today to help me out is my co-host, Curtis. Normally, our schedules don't really align much during the week these days, but we were able to make it work today, so we got Curtis on here for a special second appearance of the week. And for those of you who have been listening to us all season, You know the Wednesday episode is usually the game preview episode. But in the past, when we've done Vanderbilt preview episodes, the download numbers, let's just say they aren't what they are for other games that we play. There's just not as much interest in the nuts and bolts of the Vanderbilt team. So I I get that. I pay attention to that. I understand it. So I thought maybe you guys would rather us do something a little bit different today, just based off past history. And then based off the questions we got for this week's mailbag, which we ran earlier this week, there seemed to be a lot of interest in the remaining teams and remaining games on our schedule and how those teams are playing right now. We got a ton of questions about Florida, Alabama, Auburn, and and even more than a few about Clemson and Kentucky as well which kind of just gave me the idea to do an episode where we just rank the remaining games on our schedule by difficulty. Kind of just have an open show with Curtis and I just have a kind of an open conversation about it. So I put a poll out there on social media to see whether you guys would be interested in that, whether you would just want to stick with a traditional preview episode for Vandy Week or maybe call an audible for one week and one week only and and go with the rankings episode. And the results were pretty much in line with what I thought they were going to be as the overwhelming majority of you guys out there, more than three-fourths of our respondents on social media, indicated that they would prefer the rankings episode over the traditional game preview episode for this Vandy game. And as a show of the people, we are obligated to follow the will of the people, so rankings episode it is. And the way we're going to do this is simple enough. I asked Curtis to rank the remaining games on the schedule, not including Charleston Southern, and I'm just going to react to those rankings and share my thoughts along the way. Again, we're not going to do Charleston Southern, we're not going to include an FCS team, so we've got eight 
remaining games on the schedule. Well, I guess eight games if you include Vandy. Are we going to include Vandy in this? I mean, you can. I mean, they lost to an FCS team, so it's hard to include them. Yeah, well, well, I guess we'll include Vandy in this since we haven't technically played them yet, and this episode's about looking forward the rest of the way, and technically they're still on the schedule, haven't gotten there yet. So let's throw Vandy in there. So if you throw Vandy in, we're talking about eight games today. Not Again, not talking about Charleston Southern. So, Curtis, who is at the bottom of your list when you're ranking the games the rest of the way by difficult level? It's got to be Tech or Vandy, right? Yeah, I went with I, – well, I did go with Vandy, but before that, I then went with Tech. Okay. So you had Tech first, but then you switched your mind and went with Vandy. Uh, yeah. Okay, and so, that's just because of really how Tech played Clemson that I had to give them the upper hand. How and and that's a a popular question you're hearing today, and really all week we've gotten this. Well, how good was our win? Is Clemson even that good? Or how good is Georgia Tech? And I I understand, guys. Like we want to play this like transitive property of a quality game early in the season. It's very very tempting because it's all we have to work off of, but. I always caution about that because it is so early. And like, if you look at that that Clemson Tech game versus, I'm not trying to make excuses for Clemson, but there was what about like a three hour delay in that game? Yeah, well, and the fact is, like, I mean, their offense, yes, I think is a big problem, but realistically, they had how long to prepare for Georgia? It's not like Tech can story. come in under the radar easily because you're just so used to blowing them out. Absolutely, and you're right; they do have problems offensively, but. I mean, Tech, I will say, like, when you look at that score, it's like, wow. And I will, I will admit, I watched zero seconds of that game while it was played. I have it on my list of games to go back and rewatch this week. Have not gotten to it yet, but I will get to it. But 14-8, you look at the score, and you're like, huh? Especially what? when Clemson stopped them at fourth and goal. Um, it was like two minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just, that's, that is, I would say, to me, well, does that say more about Tech or more about Clemson in your mind? Um, I think more about Clemson. Clemson at this point in time, they, they may get it going, but they remind us, me, of two years ago where we had just that amazing defense who can win you or at least keep you in a game, but the offense is struggling. I think, yes, right now it is. I would I would argue, you're talking about like our 2019 team, essentially? Yeah, with Jake, his junior year. Yeah, well, we had all those injuries. I would argue that their offense, Clemson's offense this year has – higher potential to like turn it on like they have like this let's be real they have a more gifted quarterback that's that's the big difference here and they and we had just there was so many players just dropping like flies offensively especially the receiver position with with george going down for a little while pick um cager going down we just had all these guys going down dom going down late in the season so i don't how you can never foresee some of that happening i hope that doesn't happen to any team but I mean, this is a Clemson team that I think can get better, but I do think it says more about where Clemson is right now. And I would also say, you know, you can say I'm just making an excuse for them all you want. That's fine. I do think about a three or so hour weather delay can certainly impact what happens in a game in terms of like how teams come back out when you're you're ready to play and then you're cold. And, and so, and look, I will say Clemson was not killing Tech. They were not dominating them before the weather delay. That's fair to be that, – that should be said as well. But I still think it says more about Clemson because let's not forget, Curtis – Clemson lost or Tech lost to Northern Illinois in week one, right? Yeah. They're still not very good. And they also don't have their starting quarterback right now in Jeff Sims. You've got Jordan Yates who's playing. Jameer Gibbs still a good player. Uh, but is that really why you have Tech over Vandy right now? It's just a fact. That yeah, to me it did. is. Yeah. I, I think it has to be right now. And Vandy, guys, they, they have some decent players. 
they just don't have enough of them to be any good. Uh, it's just that simple. Like it, they're an SEC team, yeah. So, so they do have a couple of good guys here and there, which we'll break down later on in the week. But they're just they're just not near enough of them. Even their best players, honestly, their best players, I don't think, I, I definitely don't start for us. Do they even play for us, Curtis? Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. Kenny Seals. If Kenny Seals is at Georgia, is he our second second string quarterback, or is Stetson Bennett our second string quarterback? Ooh, I would say Kenny Seals. Yeah, he's, I think he. I think he's got more physical ability, but then so does everyone. Every other quarterback on our roster has more physical ability than Stetson, but Stetson still f- somehow finds his way as a second guy. So maybe he wouldn't be, but I mean, they they have some decent guys in spot, but they're like I I would say that Tech's roster is better than Bandy's. Are you kind of in agreement there? I think so. I think they have more talent. Yeah, I, and I mean, I, you got to think Tech, Tech has greatly benefited from the transfer portal. Yeah, getting a guy like Antonius Clayton from Florida is a former five-star prospect. So they, they certainly have to the transfer portal hard because Tech just can't recruit us. They, they can only really hope to get those big-time guys or former big-time guys maybe didn't quite pan out through the transfer portal. I mean, they got Jameer Gibbs, saw a player. Jeff Sims was a really good pool for them. Now he's hurt right now, so we'll see how, how his year ends up playing out when he comes back, if he comes back. But, yeah, I, they don't have a great roster by any stretch of the imagination. Don't get me wrong. It's Georgia freaking Tech. But it's, in my estimation, better than where you have Vandy's roster right now. But, all right, let's not spend too much time on these bottoms teams. That's not what everyone's asking about. Those are the teams people care about. Let's move on here, Curtis. Who do you have coming in? So, you had Vandy at eight, Tech at seven. Who do you have coming in at number six? At number six, I have Tennessee. Okay, Tennessee, I um, think I agree with that because if we're looking at the rest of the way, so you have basically the rest of the SEC East plus Arkansas and Auburn. Um, yeah, I think of those remaining teams, I think Tennessee thing, Honestly, I, I was very high on Mizzou to start the year, um, and I still am not sure. Um, I kind of want to put Tennessee higher at times just because Nayland can be a hard place to play, but we have done well the last couple times we've played there, and you can see that, like, you can take away that home field advantage very easily because they're just not a good team. I mean, if you yeah. go in there and just take the fans out of it quickly, the the fact that you're on the road doesn't truly matter up there anymore. It, I mean, you've been there for road games. I mean, they have tough time selling that stadium out anymore. And when we play there, yeah. we travel really well. I, it's not more Georgia fans than Tennessee fans, not by any stretch of imagination, but there's a really strong Georgia contingent. Basically that entire upper end zone where the scoreboard is, is colored red and black. And you get the lower level as well. You get the, was it, Section A down there. So there's a lot of Georgia fans that come to that game. We make a good showing everywhere we go. And Knoxville is one of those places. It's not too much of a drive to get there for most people. So, yeah, uh, I will give you that. And Neyland Stadium can be a tough place to play. All right, make the argument for Missouri. So I guess you have Missouri coming in at number five. Yeah, I do have Missouri coming in at number five. And I think more of it has to do with, I think Missouri is a better team first. And then second, it's the week after Florida. So it's a tough, you have to get up and go two Winter weeks in a row. I think that's the biggest reason why. Yeah, I think we have two tricky trap games right there, like sandwiching the Florida game, because you have Kentucky falling, and I was before the bye week, so we had to have a bye between Kentucky and Florida. But still, it's the game before Florida with the bye week thrown in there, and then you have following Florida, let's say if we win that game, you come back home and you play Missouri. So they're both home games, which helps, but those are both classic kind of trap game spots, right? Yeah. I mean, you're leading into the to the huge game against Florida, which everyone's obviously going to build up. And then, let's say, hopefully, if we beat Florida, then you have that emotional letdown spot, that potential for an emotional letdown spot coming and playing Missouri. 
But if you look at, I mean, I, I'm with you there, potential trap game spot. I'm glad it's at home. That's not in Mizzou, although we've played very well in Mizzou, except for that one time when Jacob Beeson had to pull us, pull it out the very, very end, which was a, a close game. Other than that, we've pretty much just dominated Missouri. But when you look at this Missouri team, do you actually, like, let's take situation out of it. Let's take where the game's played out of it. Do you think that Missouri roster is really all that much better than Tennessee? Um, going into the year, I thought so. Watching them against Kentucky, it really made me question it because Kentucky just truly out-physicaled them. Um, you know, they were able to get some plays offensively and things, which is, you know, the, the thing I think they have a little bit better skill talent on the offensive side of the ball is the one thing I take into account. But they're definitely not up to the physicality standards. I think it's the one, like I mentioned, the one thing that just has really stood out to me so far. Yeah, I think that's going back to last year, which is really weird because traditionally Missouri's been like a very, especially defensively, a strong physical defense. Remember, they first came in the league, they were built on defense. You had Matty Mock and Corey back, and in between doing lines of cocaine in the bathroom, he was mildly okay at times, but their defense was what led that team. And they've kind of gotten away from that, uh, especially once Barry Odom was let go. He moves on. I mean, last year, they felt the face of the earth defensively. And this year, I don't think that they're all that much improved, which, again, it's just not like the Missouri that we know, not that we've been playing Missouri for a long time, but since they've been in the league, that's not what Missouri's built on. And then you hire uh, the alpha nerd himself, Eli Drinkwitz, who's an offensive guy. And I have I really have a lot of respect for Eli Drinkwitz. I've watched a couple of coaching clinics with him, and the guy knows offensive football. He is a very, very bright guy. I think he's a big-time up-and-comer in college football. But there just seems like when you watch them play, doesn't it just seem like something's missing there? Maybe it's a physicality. Don't you just get the feeling like they're just not there yet? It, it, they, you just feel like you're watching someone who's trying to play SEC football, but like you said, is not there. There's just something that's not quite there. I don't think they're as talented offensively as they have been at times. Tyler Beatty is a beast. At running back, I love that guy. He's an NFL player all day long. He's that kind of approachable three down back. But he's actually bulked up some this year, so he can actually handle the carries between the tackles, which is kind of what Larry Roundtree was doing the past couple of years, who he's, by the way, now playing in the NFL. I think Tyler Bates is a better running back than Larry Roundtree. I've always kind of felt that way. Now he's getting he's getting all the bulk of the carries at running back, and they he's the best playmaker on their offense. They're trying to find ways to get him the ball. But a receiver – they just don't have guys right now. They are they don't have dudes. They have just guys. You know, for me, dude is you're you're a borderline elite player. A guy is just a eh, he's a guy. They have a bunch of just guys out there. They got Mookie Wilson from Ohio State, another transfer from Ohio State who couldn't see the field because they have a great receiving core. And he was supposed to be potentially the number one guy coming as a transfer, but he hasn't kind of shown that yet. So I, I have questions there. And you look at Connor Basil at Kurt. Like when you look at like here's the thing with me. For me, when it comes down to Tennessee and Missouri. I think Tennessee just has too many questions at quarterback right now. I think that – I'm not saying Basilek is an elite quarterback. I think he provides much more stability than whatever Tennessee's got going on with the quarterback position. Does that factor in for you when you're looking at this game? Yeah, I think it is too because, you. I mean, you just – right now you don't know what you're to get with Tennessee. I mean, it's understandable. You have three guys who have all had experience in the new coach. So, I mean, I understand it, but yet you don't have stability. You don't truly know what you're going to get. I'll be entirely honest. I have no idea who will be playing quarterback for them when we play them in, in November. I have no clue. I mean, Joe Milton seems – he started the year. It looks like he's lost his job for now because I told you guys something the year. It made no sense why Joe Milton would be your guy. Yeah, he's athletic. I get that. 
but he has a history of being a highly erratic passer in terms of his accuracy. And that Josh Heupel offense is built on accuracy. That's what he puts a premium on. He's been very open about that. If you watch any coaching clinics with him, he's very, very open about that. So I just thought it was a weird fit in the first place. But he got the start, and obviously, I mean, you watch that pick game. I mean, there were guys running up and down the field all day long, and he just could not hit them. They bring in Hendon Hooker, and he was a little bit better, um, certainly more accurate than than what you saw from Joe Milton. But he, I don't, I don't know if like, do you believe in in Hendon Hooker as like the answer for Tennessee? No, I, I don't. Like, is there a shot that we see Harrison Bailey? Is he get into the conversation at some point? I mean, he seems like he's just the lost guy there. He's not even in the conversation. It would, it would take, it would take, take Heupel, um doing almost like a damn mole and like having to reevaluate his whole offense because it's not built for someone like that. Yeah, I just don't think they have the quarterback that really fits what he wants right now. And defensively, like they they just they lost so much, man. They they had so many guys, and then they were just hit so hard offensively and defensively by the transfer portal. But defensively, I mean, you lose your your defense coordinator, you lose your head coach who was a defensive guy, he was like your de facto defense coordinator, and you lose all those guys at transfer portal. A lot of a lot of turnover there, and they're just not good. They're just not good on defense. Missouri's not good either, but on defense, but what I'll go back to it. I just think there's more stability there with Connor Basilek than there is with whatever Tennessee's got going on at quarterback. Look at the coaches, though, Curtis. Do you have more faith in Heupel? Does he scare you more or Drinkwitz? I actually think Drinkwitz. Oh, I think he's an up-and-coming star. Yeah, I'm not really sold on Heupel, honestly. We'll we'll see. Heupel's, you know, he's got a he, he can put together an offense. I just I just have a, like really digging in this offseason to what Eli Drinkwitz likes to do offensively. I love it, man. I really do like what they do offensively. I don't think Missouri will be his last stop. I think he'll have a he'll he'll do some good things there. I don't think, and I certainly hope that he will never win the SEC East, but he doesn't have to to get attention for a better job. If he can win nine games a couple years and and knock off somebody here and there, then I think he would put himself in line for another job because he's a charismatic guy. I know he doesn't quite have the look of a charismatic guy, but just listen to him talk. He absolutely is. I, I think he has potential to be a really good recruiter as well. I mean, he's recruiting pretty well to Missouri right now, which is not necessarily the easiest place to recruit in the SEC, although Como is one of the best towns I've been to in terms of college towns. But yeah, I, I would take him over Hypo right now. I, I think there's more, I don't say more of a track record there because Hypo has been a head coach maybe a year or two longer and they both had pretty good amount of success. But I just right now, based on what I know about them, I, I put my trust a little bit more in Drinkwitz. He scares me a little bit more than Josh Hype. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, so you've got Tennessee coming at number six. You've got Mizzou coming at number five. Who do you got coming at number four? Uh, I'm going to go with Kentucky number four. Now, you made a good argument for when they are, but the fact is I just had to look at the teams we play other than that. And um, that's why I put them at number four. Okay. I disagree with you on this one. Respectfully, I disagree with you. All right. But I'm going to let you make your case. Make your case for Kentucky behind Florida, Auburn, and I guess Arkansas as well. Yeah. um, Florida and Auburn, I think, are better teams. So that's why I'm going to go ahead and put them forward. Um, And that's why I definitely have them up there. Now, Kentucky is probably third best team, but yet they're coming at number four. Um, yes, it's after Auburn, but the fact is that we're still going to take them serious. Um, I don't think that we're not going to. I mean, especially after last year when like, we know what we're getting with Kentucky. Um, so that's going to be the biggest thing. And when we know what we're getting, what are we getting from Kentucky? You're getting a physical team that's going to be a brawl. Um, no matter like, however you play them, it's going to be a fat, flat-out brawl. One of the best, like, we have the, one of the best defense lines in the country. If, I think probably the best defense line in the country. Guys, that has, that Kentucky offense has one of the best offensive lines in all of America. That's going to be a heck of a matchup. Yeah. A heck of a matchup. All right. So here, okay. So who, oh, let me just ask you, let's, let's get into your top three. Who do you have coming in number three? Uh, number three, I have Florida. Okay. So you got Florida. All right. I, I'm just going to tell you, I would put Kentucky in my, if I was doing my personal rings, I would have Kentucky ahead of Florida. I think in a couple of weeks, I think where they play in two weeks, I think Kentucky is going to beat Florida at Kroger Field in Lexington, Kentucky. Do you like what? Just I guess explain to me why you think Florida right now is better than Kentucky. Just well, based on what's coming off a of bye. Well, and you're coming off a of bye week. You always have to take that into account. Bye weeks do help. They certainly don't hurt. I will give you that. But I, I mean, I'm I know that everyone right now is all over Florida. Florida's great. Florida's awesome. They almost put off the big ups against Alabama. I mean, I, there was somebody, I think, on the Andy Staples podcast, I forget who it was, uh, was saying today that he thinks Florida's going to be a field goal favorite over Georgia. The Florida's the favorite in the SEC East now. And I'm like, what? And he actually even said that Florida was more accomplished than Georgia, even though the game that everyone's talking about, they actually lost that game, which just doesn't make any sense to me. So people are feeling Florida right now, uh, and that's fine. They, they had a good game. I will give them that. But – when you look at this Florida team, don't you still see a lot of holes up and down that roster? Yeah, I do. Um, but like I said, I mean, or I haven't said it, but realistically you think of the fact that no matter what, they still find a way to give us a hard game. And I think the biggest thing is you going into the bye weekend, realistically Florida, especially if they lose to Kentucky, it's an all-out desperation game. The fact what is they'll lose, pull everything what out. They lose to Kentucky and at LSU? And they have three losses coming to Jacksonville. Then, then, they, then their whole season is made by beating us. Okay, fair. They can rally. We've been in that spot where we lose right before the bye yeah, week. Yeah, we've been in that position before. Yeah, we've, yeah, been, we've been, been in that position. Spot. We've been in that spot. Fair, fair. And I, I see what you're, you're putting the context around the game, and I and I, I understand that, and I do value that. that. That has to be considered. I'm just looking at both these teams, and I know Kentucky, everyone's saying, oh, well, Florida almost beat Alabama. Kentucky almost lost to UTC at home. Like, how can you say Kentucky's better? I've watched both teams play, guys. I think Kentucky's a better football team. I can't guarantee they're going to win that game. But Florida has problems, guys. They have problems in the middle of their defense. They, in their best linebacker, Ventra Miller, he's out for the year now. And they got 
Mama Diabite inside. He weighs about 117 pounds. Tennessee or Kentucky's offensive line is going to maul them. I think they're going to pave the way for little Benny, for Chris Rodriguez to have a massive game on the ground. And I think that there are holes in that secondary also outside of Kyrie Elam, who is awesome, and Will Levis. Now, Kentucky finally has a quarterback who can make you pay down the field. So they can get that run game going against the Florida front, which I think is average at best, especially that middle of that defense, and force them to bring safeties down in the box. I think they have a guy that can hit receivers on the field. You have Wondell Robinson, the transfer coming in from Nebraska, who is hard – just harking back to Lynn Bowden, he's got that kind of skill set, and you got Josh Ali out there to compliment him as well. I think Kentucky is better than Florida, and they get that game at home. So now that doesn't necessarily have any impact on on when Florida plays us. When we play Kentucky, we do get Kentucky at home. Florida is a neutral site that happens to be played in the state of Florida. They're coming off the bye week. All that is very true to sort of the context there, Curtis. I, I, it's hard to argue with that. I guess I'm just looking at it from like a a roster standpoint and who I think is the better team. And I just think Kentucky's better. So I think that I would have Kentucky ever. And I, I'm not saying definitively, but I would, I would have Kentucky slightly ahead of Florida at this point. Is that at least defensible? Yeah, I, I think it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you got Kentucky at four, you got Florida at three. Now we talked about Florida a little bit. I'm just going to ask you one more question about Florida. How much stock are you putting into Florida? Same question I asked you about Tech and Clemson. Is it more about Clemson or more about Tech? When you you watch the game, we watched that game together, Alabama and Florida, before our game. Obviously, it was a much closer game than people anticipated. The line was 14 and a half, I think, and ended up being a two-point game. Does that say more about Florida? Is Florida just better than people thought? Or is that Alabama not being as good as people thought? I, I think Alabama didn't play to their usual standard. Um, I think... They allowed Florida to get back in that game, especially in the second half. So I think it's more about Alabama and the way they played more so than the way Florida played. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, what I've said about this is I think, honestly, that game, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I predicted it to be a two-point game. And I actually, I picked out, I picked Alabama to cover. I didn't love the, the hook there at 14 and a half. I was a little high, but I did pick them. I did go ahead and pick them to cover. So I expect them to win more comfortably than they did because that was certainly not comfortable at all. I mean, Florida had a chance to tie there with a two-point conversion late in the game. But I wasn't like coming out of thinking about it, I'm like it's kind of like where I what I thought both these teams were. I thought Florida's a good but not elite team. And that's kind of what they showed me. They're a good team, but they're not elite. And Alabama, I just don't think, as I've said, going back to the preseason, I don't think this is a vintage Alabama team. Bryce Young is a really talented player. He's not there yet. He's still really young. He's not quite there yet. Now, maybe later in the year he'll get there, but he's not there. I mean, talk about guys. I mean, guys, Brian Robinson is just a guy. He's just a guy at running back. He's not a dude. He's not Najee Harris. Not even freaking close, man. He's he's their starting guy, getting the lion's share of carries them at running back. Offensive line still good. Evan Neal's really good, but they're not as good as they were on the offensive line last year across the board there. Their defense is better this year, but I still think there are some holes, especially in that secondary. You don't have a Patrick Sertan back there. I don't think they have a guy near as good as him at cornerback that can kind of, I don't want to say lock down a side of the because I don't know if anybody can really do that anymore with the way the rules are structured and the way games are called, but he was about as close to it as you could get last year. So I just, I think Alabama is really, really good. They're Alabama. They're crazy talented. But I just don't think it's a vintage Bama team. I don't think it's a national championship caliber Alabama team. And I think that kind of played it out against Florida in, in more ways than one. So I, I think, to me, who does it say more about? I think it kind of just showed us who both teams are. 
Um, and, I, and I just don't think that you can look at that game and say, well, Florida only lost by two. So that means all of a sudden now they're a national title contender. No, they're not. If you watch the game, they just actually look at who they have out there on the field and look at the skills of these, of these guys and watch the game closely. You'll see that Florida is a good team. But there are a lot of areas where Alabama could have exploited. I mean, Curtis, how, how many times do we say during the game we were sitting there watching and we we're like, why is Alabama not throwing the ball vertically? Yeah. And it just – it's almost it was almost inexplicable in the second half. Like, what are you doing? Florida's playing their safeties max like 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, and you're not trying them vertically against that – what I think is a pretty vulnerable secondary. It's very, very questionable to me. Very questionable to me. All right. So you got Florida there at number three. So that means, all right, that's interesting. So number two here, we've got two teams left. We've got Auburn and Arkansas. So who are you going number one? Who are you going number two? Number one, I'm going Arkansas. It's really the fact that it's a noon game. Wow. Um, really plays into it. I think Arkansas is a really good team. And they've, they're, I don't know if they're a really good team. I think they are very good, like a solid team that can sneak up on you given the noon kickoff time. Okay, interesting. So you're saying that – and look, I do agree that the noon kickoff time is prime no-show spot. Guys, I go into every game. If you listen to this podcast, you can probably just pick this out. I mean, if I haven't just made it obvious yet by this point. But I am always on the watch out for the no-show game. That's part of my anxiety because I've seen it so many times with our teams in the past where there's always just a game or two where we just don't show up. And I'm always terrified this week's game is going to be that game. It's going to happen at some point. And – I've seen a lot of, of those situations, and those home noon kickoffs certainly are prime no-show games. They really are. I mean, we did it to Auburn. Was it back in – was that 2006? Remember that game, Curtis? Trey Battle picking off all those balls, running back for touchdown? I think it was. I mean, I even think back to – I don't – it probably wasn't a big game, but when uh, Isaiah McKenzie, our whole offense was him returning punts for touchdowns. Like, those were noon kickoff games. That was 2015 at Auburn. Yeah. Noon, I think about the year um, Mizzou first beat us. They came in on a noon game. Just we weren't there. We were fumbling the ball and they took it to us. Yeah, it's just really not as rowdy of a crowd. It's not as raucous. The pe- the crowd isn't as into it than the home, which typically means like the home game, the home team is not as into it. They're not vibing as much. There's not as much energy on the sidelines. And the road team kind of has that, hey, I'm I'm on the I'm in the I'm on the road. It's that road environment energy where it's us against the world. So you still have that. And especially when you're coming in there trying to pull a big upset like that. I do buy into that. I mean, I'll go back again to Auburn 2006. We were unranked. I think what were we seven and or six and four coming to that game, maybe. Auburn was number five in the country, I believe, in 2006. And we came in there, and not only did we beat Auburn, like we took it to him. It was like 30, 35, 15, 37, 15, something like that. And that's what I'm talking about, guys. It's that kind of game. Like we didn't have any business being Auburn that year. No, but what we did. So things like that happen. And I know there's always that narrative out there where Kirby Smart's good for one screw up somewhere. And I don't know if I necessarily believe that. But I do but believe two of his, in the idea. Two of his bad, bad losses have been at noon, like the Vandy yep. and South the Vandy in sixteen. Yeah, South Carolina, uh, two thousand. God, Jesus, yeah, it, it, you're right. So it's it's just that spot. And like, I will say this, but people, like, if Arkansas beats a And M this week, Curtis, that could potentially be a top ten matchup. Does that neutralize the no show possibility with our team would have that would have our team's attention? Um, I think the team wise, but I don't know if it does enough for the fans. But who can make I think the difference. fan factor is just a it's a mechanism for getting the team motivated, right? That's why like the, the crowd noise matters to get the team motivated. I guess to impact the other team as well to a degree. But as long if, if the team is taking it seriously, 
I don't and like if Arkansas has their attention and they're buying in, that's what matters. I don't know if the fans have as much of an impact if the team is buying in. Does that make sense? No, I get that. But I, so, but you're saying okay. So I agree with you. It's a that is certainly a prime letdown opportunity, letdown spot. Totally agree. Noon at home, absolutely. When you're the probably gonna be a heavy favorite in that game. Although how how, how heavy a favorite remains to be seen. We see how Arkansas fares against A and M this week. But you're saying you think that is a tougher spot, potential letdown spot at home in the noon game against Arkansas as opposed to a road game at Auburn? The fact is, I don't think Auburn's as good as they are made out to be. I think Penn State's a little bit overrated. I mean, this is the same team that scored, what, 14, 13 points in their first game. I mean, the fact is, I think I don't think that win is as big as it is. And the fact is, yes, it's going to be on the road. But the fact is, we don't know how Auburn's going to be coming in. They may very well be coming off a loss to LSU and everything in, in this own right also. The fact that we don't know the team that we saw going in 2-0 is going to be the same team we see come game time. That's fair. Now, they do have to play at LSU uh, at night the week before, as we found out today, at 9 o'clock that night. Um, all right, let me – okay, a couple of different directions to go here. Do you think Auburn is – a better do you think Arkansas is a better football team than Auburn? I think they may be better offensively, yeah. What makes you say that? I'm trying just I'm trying okay. Auburn, well, the fact Auburn. is I I will always it's hard to know what you're gonna get with Kendall Bryles. I think he's a lot better offensive coordinator than what you see out of Mike Bobo. Bobo? You think you take Bryles yeah. out of Bobo? I would, yeah. Okay, I think probably, he's more modern. Probably, probably, probably. More modern, I would say. I mean, did you see something like in that Penn State game? I know you were driving back. Do you see like Bobo was pointing out some legit old school? 21 personnel I formation. It's like what? Yeah, but that's not that's not and that sure as heck is not gonna win you a game against us. No, you you do that's I mean if they try that, bring it on. Okay, cool. That sounds great. I I would love that's so why when I was watching the game, I was, I was thinking the same thing. Cool, dude. I hope you do that in a couple of weeks because that's gonna play right into our strengths all day long. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, here's what I would say that Arkansas has a better receiving core. Traylon Burks is a freaking dude out there. He might be the best, one of the best receivers in the SEC. I think he's that good. Quarterback, you guys know I'm not a Bo Nix guy. Um, and like, no, he wasn't tragically bad against Penn State, but he wasn't good either. He's 21 out of 37, 185 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So under 60% completion percentage, which is what Bo Nix is. He's a 50, he's a mid-50% completion percentage guy his entire career. Against Alabama State, I know they won big the week before. He only completed 53% of his passes against Alabama State. So Bo Nix is what Bo Nix is. Now, he's much better at home, though, Curtis, right? We have to say that. He is, yeah. Much better at home. So that that is a factor to a degree, but you're looking at Bo Nix, you got KJ Jefferson for Arkansas. Who do you, who puts more fear into your heart? I would say KJ Jefferson, the way he's playing right now. I think they're comparable passers. 
I think I think they I, are. I, I would, I, AJ Jefferson definitely scares me more running than Bo Nix does. Yeah, yeah. I, KJ Jefferson is uh, him and Bo Nix are both like mid fifty completion percentage type guys. Although Bo Nix at home is much better. His completion percentage goes up to about sixty five percent when he's at home. And KJ Jefferson Jefferson doesn't matter if he's at home or on the road. He's just not a good passer. And that kind of that sucks for them because you have a great receiver in Traylon Burks, but you don't have the quarterback that can really activate him the way that he could. I mean, Traylon Burks should be putting up 100 yards every single game, no doubt about it. They just don't have that kind of quarterback. And he's not really like a traditional fit for the Kendall Browse offense, which is another concern I have for Arkansas. Like Kendall Browse wants to push ball vertically. He wants to spread the field, silent to silent as much as possible, and really stress the defense there in space. And that's just not what KJ Jefferson is good at. I will give Kendall Browse credit for really kind of molding his offense and adjusting his offense to fit the skill set of KJ Jefferson. And I do think he's a, he's more of a threat. I think they use KJ Jefferson better than Auburn uses Bo Nix. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that is. I think Bo Nix is like, I've always said, even when Malzahn was there, Bo Nix's best attribute is his athleticism. And they just, even when, when, when Malzahn was there, they never utilized his legs enough, which is always weird to me because that's what Malzahn's traditionally done with quarterbacks. I don't know if Bo Nix and his dad were saying, hey, we don't want to do that. I don't know. They just never utilized his legs enough. Most of what he did with his legs was like impromptu, you know, just scrambling, doing things like that, off-the-cuff type stuff, whereas Arkansas legitimately designs things for KJ Jefferson. He's a big part of their run game, and Auburn just doesn't use Bo Nix that way, and I think that's a mistake. I think that's what he's really good at, and the more you utilize him in the the quarterback run game, the easier his reads are going to become, which he always struggles with because – it limits what defenses can do from a coverage standpoint because you have to account for the quarterback in the run game. So I, I've always wondered why they just don't use him more in the run game. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I will say that I think that Bo Nix is probably the more talented quarterback, but I think KJ Jefferson's utilized more effectively and efficiently within that offense by Kendall Bryles. I will give you that. But I mean, seriously, I, I can come back to this. Auburn on the road. You and I have both been to multiple games at Auburn on the road. Big-time atmospheres. Each of the last two times we played there, one win, one loss. Both – well, one was a blowout. One was a close win there. You know how crazy that place can get, especially when Georgia comes to town. If we're ranked number one or two that by that that weekend – I mean, they're going to be going insane, Kerr. I mean, harkens back to like 2017. Like, do you really think Arkansas at home, even though it is a noon letdown spot, is a tougher game than Auburn on the road? I think so because I think they're more physical than uh, Auburn is. They're almost like a Kentucky right now, the way they're I playing. I think Auburn's a physical football team offensively. I think they, they're trying to be more than they have been. I think Bobo's trying to at least instill that. Who do you think has a better defense? I'd probably go with Auburn. I think they have more talent, at least. Yeah, I think they have more talent there. I know that Grant Morgan and Bumper Pool get a lot of pub from the, for Arkansas linebacker. If you watch those guys play, they're good players. I'm not going to sit here and trash and they're good players, but it's a lot like Keith Brooking. Remember him, Curtis, back from the Falcons, making tackles yeah, 10, 15 yards a on lot the field? Of tackles. So yeah, he racked up a ton it. of tackles, but it's like, where were those tackles made? You know, and that if you watch Arkansas play, that they remind me of both those guys remind me a lot of Keith Brooking, but they're still good players. I think I think you're right. I think Auburn has more talent. Although I don't think Auburn's an elite defense. I think they're like a a top forty defense. Honestly, when it's all said and done, I think they're like somewhere around there. I have a lot of respect for Derek Mason, but I will say this: I also have a lot of respect for um for what's his name for uh, Barry Odom at at Arkansas. I think he's one of the best teams coordinators in the country. So I don't know. I think Auburn has better players. I think the better coordinator is probably Barry Odom. So no, it, it's a tough I, one. I would probably I think he me, is better. Yeah, yeah. 
Honestly, if I was doing my rankings first, I would have now I will this you're gonna this doesn't sound crazy because you, you had them all the way at number four. Coming into this week, I had Kentucky at the top of my list in this question. I was asked this question I mean, on I social media. I don't think that's a bad, bad pick. Uh I just I mean, I could easily see someone go making the argument for Auburn. Um I just I think Auburn and Arkansas could have gone one A, one B, but I think I mean I get your Kentucky argument. I, I like where you went with Arkansas, though. I mean, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying with Arkansas. And, like, it's nice to have someone, you know, sometimes – I feel like all too often in the show, like, we we agree too much, I mean, which is okay. And that's what we both think. It's what we both think. But so it's nice to have a, a little bit of a disagreement here and, and respectfully see it just a little bit differently. But, yeah, coming in this week, I had Kentucky up there because I just – I mean, I look at this Kentucky team, man, and they have a killer offensive line. They have one of the best running backs in the country that not enough people talk about. The pro- they play always play good defense with Mark Stoops. They're a top 25 defense right now. Um, they're not an elite defense. They're not as good as they have been in the past. Actually, I think they were top 20. I think number 21, actually. So a borderline top 20 defense. The issue with them has been the passing game. That's the only thing that's really been holding them back. They've been good on the offensive line. They've had great running backs. They've been really good on defense. They put guys in the first round on defense. But they haven't had the passing game. And Will Levis changes that. And you throw in a guy like Wondell Robinson to go along with Josh Ali out wide. There's not a ton of holes in that team. Now, they're not as talented as we are. But, man, like that is a well-constructed team. And they've answered the things that have plagued them in the past. So the fact that it's at home makes me feel better. And I was always reserving judgment on Auburn. I had my eyes on Auburn the first two weeks, but I just didn't know what to make of them because they're playing you know, baby seals out there, just clubbing them to death. And I want to see what they did against against a, a, at least a, a competent Penn State team. I agree with you, Curtis, that Penn State is not – I don't think Penn State's a really like a top-five level team. I think they're kind of a mirage right now. I know they beat Wisconsin, but they probably shouldn't have won that game. Wisconsin turned the ball over and made a lot of mistakes inside their red zone. And if you look at Penn State, they're kind of a one-trick pony. It's like Jahan Dotson and like no one else on offense. So, I, yeah, and plus it was the wideout. You know, I get that Auburn really – put up a good effort there and only lost by about eight points, a touchdown. I just don't think that Penn State's great. I think Penn State's like a top 15 caliber team. So, you know, Auburn put up a good, a good effort there and they earned my respect to a, to a degree there, but I still don't think they're like an elite. Team. And honestly, I look at the rest of our schedule. I don't know. Like, do you think we have an elite team on our schedule the rest of the way? Not elite. No. Yeah. I am with you. I think we have some very good teams. I think Florida is a potentially very good team. I think Kentucky is a potentially very good team. Arkansas, I think is, I don't know if I would put them at, at very good. Yeah. I think they're a good solid team. We'll see what happens this week with, with our, with uh, the Texas A&M game. I think Auburn's a good solid team. Auburn's better than I thought they were though. That's the thing. I, they, I didn't have high expectations for them coming this season. I think they're better than I thought they were. I think Bobo has kind of figured out, hey, the best player we have is, is Tank Bigsby. And Jarquez Hunter, the freshman running back, going along with him, that's a really nice one-two punch there at running back. And Bobo's kind of going back to old school, what he did here at Georgia, just run the freaking football and do it in different ways. And I don't hate that with that offense because that those are – I mean, Bigsby's the best player on their team. He might be the best running back in America. So it just And Bo Nix is just not – a great passer. So I, I actually like what they're trying to do offensively. The fact that it's on the road, maybe it's just based on my experiences. Maybe I've been shell-shocked in the past. Maybe I just can't get over 2017. But I know that can be a difficult place to play. So I, after the game on Saturday against Penn State, I have elevated Auburn to, in my opinion, the number one spot on my list of the toughest games the rest of the way. I have Kentucky still sitting at number two. Um, but Arkansas, that's an interesting argument you can make there. I would probably have – I would still probably have Florida at three. I just think they're more talented altogether than Arkansas is. And then Arkansas at four. Um, 
I reserve the – I mean, guys, this can move. This can fluctuate. We're so early in the season. We have such little evidence to go off of and such and such little information that this can fluctuate up and down uh, over the next couple of weeks. But right now, that's probably where I would put it. But, Chris, you make some great arguments there. Uh, I like you going on a limb there and saying Arkansas because I don't think a lot of people would say that. Um, man, what do you make of the noon game? Like, are you – one of those people that hates noon games. I've heard from a lot of people today that they're just pissed off about that game being at noon. Oh, I hate noon games. I think they're absolutely terrible. The in-game atmosphere is nothing like it, the rest of them for fans. I know some people are like, oh, I get to go watch the rest of the games. But if you're more worried about watching other games instead of watch- and wanting watching the most important game and having the best fan base and you know fan experience out there, then you got some messed up priorities. Yeah, the fair. The That's this straight shot at Charlie. She's gonna she's coming for you, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I the the in game environment obviously for a night game it's it's unquestionably better. There's no doubt. But hey, I'd say you you gotta put it on us fa- as fans. Like you just gotta show up and pretend it's a night game. I know it's not at night, but well, yeah, start well, early. It's, it's the small things though too that add to the atmosphere, like the whole changing stadium lights and getting yeah. like that's a way to even increase the crowd hype and everything. So it's not just the fans getting hype i mean there's different things that you can do just like the fourth you know going into the fourth quarter lighting up sanford like there's just those small things that you can do that just make it that much better of an experience and it's not against people that you know hey maybe they don't like staying up super late i get that but you do hear from other people that they just want to go watch other games and that they hate when they miss them i'm like but this is the most important game like I, I will admit, like, I, night games are more fun to be at, but like if we have a noon game, I don't hate being able to come home and watch other games. But like I, I get the night. No, game I mean is, it's like, not the. It's something best that for our team, like, and night games are best for our team. Yeah, like you, I don't hate it when I'm like, oh, I get to watch some games, but it's, I'm not like, oh, I wish we played at noon so I could. Right. Yeah. You don't have your fingers crossed. All that stuff. I, I get that. But and at the end of the day, I do want. I want Georgia to win. That's that's what's most important to me. So. If night games help us win more, which I think they do, especially at home, then I'm I'm all for that. So it's kind of frustrating. I get it. Um, but really what happened here, Kirby, it's pretty clear, right? LSU just gets preferential treatment by the SEC when it comes to home night games, right? Yeah, always. Yeah, because the way it comes to the guys, I mean, those of you who are, not, are not quite sure how that works, I've got a lot of questions like, how in the world is LSU-Auburn a better game than potentially a top-10 matchup? And I get what you're saying, but CBS is first pick. ESPN gets the next pick, which is their, is their SEC primetime game uh, on ESPN. And then the third slot, traditionally, not, and it can change, but usually it's that 12 o'clock SEC uh, or 12 o'clock ESPN game. And, yeah, our game is a better game than Auburn-LSU, obviously, and we're a much more high-profile team than LSU right now. But LSU, if, it's, if, they're not, if their home games are not CBS 330 games, then they get those home night spots, and that's what happened here. So they got that spot, and they put us at noon. And I, that's just they, – they're protected. Whether, whether it's ESPN, whether it's the SEC – they got some deal with the devil, and that's how it happened, guys. That's what it came down to. Blame LSU. It's their fault. Blame the SEC for catering to the the whims and the and the wishes of, of LSU, which I, it's just crazy to me. It's kind of like with Mississippi State. They, they, miss, they make an exception for Mississippi State to be able to use artificial noisemakers in their stadium, but no one else in the league can do it. But Mississippi State can sound like a high school stadium out there, like a little league stadium. It's just stuff like that just drives me crazy. Just treat everybody the same. If you have rules. The rules need to be for everybody. It's just, it's annoying. But all right, guys, that does it for us here on the Glory UGA podcast today. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, this audible that we called one time only. We'll be back on our game preview episodes next week. I just know historically looking at all those numbers from past years when we've done Vandy preview episodes and there just hasn't ever really seemed to be all that much interest. I will admit part of me was very, very hesitant to even 
broach the idea of doing something other than a Vandy preview episode, because as you guys know, if you listen to the show, I'm very superstitious when it comes to University of Georgia. Really nowhere else in my life, just with Georgia, because it's so important to me. So I have in my mind, I know it makes no sense whatsoever, but maybe some of you have some of the same superstitions as me, and I know this is entirely irrational. It makes no sense whatever. It's not rooted in reality in any way, shape, or form, but in my mind, it kind of is. It's weird. I can't get over it. I just have this this feeling that I can't ever really truly get away from it, no matter how hard I try, that what I say on this podcast some it like puts some like mystical juju out in the atmosphere and it can like negatively affect our team if I don't respect the opponent that we're playing. And no, that doesn't mean that I have to sit here, like my, the way my mind works, I don't just sit here and say, oh yeah, Vanderbilt, man, watch out, or an upset alert. I don't just sit here and say that, but like the disrespect of not giving them a full preview episode like we do with every other team. I just, it's somewhere in my mind. It's just a small part of my mind, but it's a part of my mind that I can't get away from. Because to me, it's like, well, what if? Like, what if it's actually true? And I'm the reason that we end up losing to a team that we have no business losing to and ruining the year that we all hope that we end up having. So that's why I'm weird about this kind of stuff. But I also know, again, based off past history, that you guys just don't really care to listen to Vandy preview episodes. So we just wanted to give you guys... Something that we thought you might enjoy a little bit more. So I do, at the end of the day, hope that you actually enjoy this more than a, a Van, than you would have a Vandy preview episode. But thanks for listening, guys. We always appreciate it. Charlie and I will be back on Thursday to wrap up the week with our picks of the week. But until then, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>